You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Sermon Podcast. To get connected at Sojourn Montrose, visit our website, sojournmontrose.org. So if you've been at, if you've been at Sojourn Montrose for any uh, little length of time, I'll say, um, you've probably heard that our strategy is this, that as a people, we will join God in making disciples of Jesus. Multiplying neighborhood parishes in new neighborhoods and in our neighborhood and planting churches in new neighborhoods and in new cities around the world, right? We, we frequently say that we exist, and we shorten it by saying this, we exist to make disciples, multiply parishes, and plant churches. But actually, all three of those elements of our strategy are really about one thing, multiplication. When we... When we talk about multiplying disciples, we're really hoping that all of us, disciples of Jesus, I know this thing's cutting out, right? Is this mic cutting out? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, I'm going to just keep going. Um, when we talk about multiplying disciples or making disciples, what we're really talking about is multiplying disciples, right? That we as followers of Jesus would, would invite others to follow Jesus and thereby multiply ourselves, not ourselves in the sense of our personalities or what we like or what we don't like, but we would multiply followers of Jesus through relationships. So when we say make disciples, we're really talking about multiplying disciples. And further, when we talk about multiplying parishes, we're talking about multiplying uh, not just friend groups in the neighborhood, right? Although I hope you find friends within your neighborhood parish, but we're talking about multiplying missional centers that are doorways into the kingdom of God throughout our neighborhood that Possibly on every block, within walking distance of every person in our neighborhood, somebody might have an opportunity to be invited to a weekly neighborhood parish gathering and a meal and an encounter with the message of who Jesus is and what he's done. And then finally, when we talk about planting churches, what we're talking about is multiplying churches that multiply churches that multiply churches. Churches that proclaim the word of God, partake the sacraments like baptism and communion, and that house uh, neighborhood parishes and disciples that make disciples. So when we talk about make disciples, multiply parishes, and plant churches, what we're talking about is multiply, multiply, multiply. And so to fully buy into the mission of multiplication, the strategy of multiplication as a church, we have to understand together what multiplication is and why it's necessary for the people of God to engage with multiplication. So when we talk about the multiplying mission, the mission of the church of Jesus, this is what we're talking about. God's story of redemption spreading rapidly throughout the world. God's story of redemption rapidly spreading throughout the world. Whether that's person to person, Parish to parish, community to community, church to church. Multiplication is the story of God's redemption that spreads. And so really quickly, I want us to see that God has always multiplied his people and told them to engage in mission oriented and rooted in multiplication. So let's start in the garden in the first chapter of Genesis, the first book of the Bible um, God tells his created man and woman, Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and fill it. Right? God commands Adam and Eve to multiply and thereby 
multiply his people in his place, the garden. Right, and, we, and if you've heard the story um, of Adam and Eve, we remember together that they make this terrible decision to instead usurp God's authority, substitute their own authority by taking of the fruit of the tr- forbidden tree. And instead of multiplying and filling the garden, right, they, ca- they are cast out of the garden. They are sent away from the garden. But later in Genesis, in chapter 22, we see that God uh, sees the faithfulness of another man named Abraham. And God says this in chapter 7, that he will multiply Abraham's offspring, that they will uh, be as many as the stars of the heavens or the sands of the seashore, God says. So he promises because of one man's faithfulness that he will multiply him. And recently we finished a sermon series uh, through the book of Exodus where we see that after Abraham's descendants are successful in multiplying and multiplying and multiplying, that the Egyptians start to fear them, and instead of allowing them to simply multiply and fill the earth, they enslave them. And yet, God saves his people from slavery and death by delivering them out of Egypt and sending them into a new land where he dwells among them and encourages them to multiply and bless the nations. And even... Towards the end, as the Old Testament continues, the prophet Isaiah says that God's people, Israel, will multiply and bless the nations once again. In chapter 52, 10, he says, it says this, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So God in the Old Testament, that's all parts of the Bible before Jesus, God in the Old Testament is about multiplying his people to fill and bless the earth and ultimately deliver a message of redemption. And two weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about presence, God's presence, how God came to the earth in the form of a man named Jesus. And in doing so, Jesus embodies, affirms, and accomplishes God's grand story of redemption. Right, Jesus is not the end of God's plan to multiply. He's not the he's not his plan to multiply people finishing. Because his radical life, his death, and his re- resurrection, instead of ending the story of multiplication, it explodes the story of multiplication into the world. You see, as we've said time and time again, Jesus came as God to live lives that we couldn't and die a death that we deserved. So when Jesus took our sins to the cross, he was punished in our place, and in doing so, God's plan of redemption was fully realized. This was his plan. And after being buried in a tomb... Instead of decaying in death, Jesus rose, ascended into new life, which is very good news because it affirms that we have truly been forgiven and accepted by God. And so to see that when Jesus rose from the dead, God's plan for redemption reached its pivotal peak. Everything was true. Jesus is king. Jesus is alive. He rules on the throne of heaven Even now, and before he goes, before he ascends, he leaves us with a message and a mission, which is commonly referred to the Great Commission, and it's this, Matthew 28. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus, in his ascension, gives us the mission of multiplication. Disciple the nations is what he says. Spread the story of God's redemption accomplished through me and by me and multiply my followers, multiply the disciples of the nations. So what is multiplication? It's, it's God's story of redemption, the story of Jesus, who he is and what he has done, the good news, the God's story of redemption spreading rapidly throughout the world. So, who is this story for? Who is the gospel message for? Well, as, as we get to our text this morning, the book of Acts is a narrative historical account of the early church and how the church started after Jesus ascended as king to the throne, how the church started and how the church spread. And so in Acts 1 through 8, in those first eight chapters, we see that the message of who Jesus is and what he has done saturates um, the city of Jerusalem. And now in Acts 9, uh, chap- or verse 31, we're seeing um, that the, the church planting movement in the region has reached a tipping point. And it says this, so the church throughout all Judea and G- Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So I think this, this text, the beginning part of this text, gives us some specific, um, some specific answers to the question, who is the gospel message for? To whom is God's message of redemption for? And the verse names three regions, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. So the first, Judea, that's where Jerusalem is, and it's where the church begins. It's where Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, that's where the new of this gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done begins. It's where the church begins, right? Like I said, Acts 1 1 through 8 are all about the spread of Christianity in Jerusalem and Judea, this region. But further than that, Judea is, is known as this religious epicenter for the Jewish people, many of whom have been waiting on a promised Messiah. So it's primed for the message that the Messiah has come. It's a huge venue for the life, ministry, and death, and resurrection of Jesus. But more than that, it's known as the religious center for the religious elite of the Jewish people. So that's Judea, the religious center. And second, the verse mentions Galilee, which Galilee literally literally means circle, and it was commonly called the circle of the nations, or Galilee of the nations. The reason being is that Galilee is the last region in Israel before you get to the, the nations around the Mediterranean, way up through Rome and, and beyond. So Galilee, unlike Judea, was really known as this multicultural epicenter, this place for Gentiles in the region, this place for non-Jewish people in the region. The non-religious people lived in Galilee. It was... It was Seen by the Jews, this is the place where the non-Jewish live, Galilee. And the last region is in between Judea and Galilee. It's called Samaria. 
And it was well known for being a colony of unclean Jewish people. So if you've, if you've looked into the law, the Levitical law of the Jewish people, there's a lot of rules that outline who can be part of the community and who can't. Samaria was this camp of the unclean or the outcasts. So they weren't clean enough to be part of Judea and part of the religious elite, but they also weren't Gentiles. They weren't not Jews, so they were this middle ground of outcasts, this camp of outcasts. So these regions are where the followers of Jesus begin the church and where multiplication happens and where the church experiences this early unity, the religious region, the non-religious region, and the outcast region. So when we ask the question, who is multiplication for, the answer is everyone. The message of God's redemption is for the Jewish people and for the religious, right? For the people who think that moralism will save them. Keeping the rules will save them. This message is for you. And the message of God's redemption is for the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, the non-religious people who think life is about eat, drink, be merry. There is no law. The message of salvation is for them too, and it's certainly for the outcast, the non-belonging members of society, those who never belong to any camp, never felt at home with the religious or the non-religious. They, they have no home. The gospel, the message of God's redemption in Jesus is for them too. It's truly for everyone. And these three regions represent everyone. They represent all groups of people, and so... If we kept reading in Acts 9, beyond chapter 31, we'll see how the church explodes through the regions of the Gentiles. So this verse is really the tipping point between the small region and the world. And so if we know what multiplication is and who it's for, the next question is how did it spread? And let's continue reading. So the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So they had peace. They were being built up and walked in the fear of the Lord. And they had comfort from the Spirit. I'm going to switch mic real quick. Thank you, Isaac. So those are the three, the three themes that drive multiplication. Peace and unity, fear or reverence of the Lord, being built up in obedience through that, and comfort in the Holy Spirit of God, right? So unity. Well, first we should know that churches that are divided by definition are not multiplying. It's impossible to be dividing and multiplying at the same time. So the church, the early church in this region had unity. They had peace among the people. And so they were freed up for their energy not to go towards division but towards multiplication. Peace among the early church was important to the message, right? If Jesus ascended to the throne and sent a Holy Spirit who was a, a, an usher of peace then certainly they should be marked by peace and unity. So they were united and they multiplied. 
But not only were they united, the text says that they were united around something, that they feared the Lord, which isn't to say that they were necessarily afraid of God, although that would be appropriate, but they revered him. They heard his word. They believed it. They took it seriously, and they sought to hold his commandments and obey them. They listened and told each other the teachings of Jesus. They told each other about loving God and loving their neighbors as themselves, and they strived and held each other accountable to obey that message. And it says that in doing so, they were built up, which means they experienced the, the promised growth in obedience that, that the Holy Spirit has promised us. Growing in obedience and faithfulness of what the Lord has said. And finally, they were obedient in Jesus' call for them to spread the gospel message, to spread the news. And so in their reverence of God and their obedience to him, they multiplied. But finally, the verse said that they had this also key component. They had the comfort of the Spirit. Which means this, they didn't forget who was sovereign over all of this, who was in control over all of this. They didn't forget that God was calling people to himself by his spirit, softening hearts and preparing them to hear the message. Right, so they strive for unity and they strive to be obedient, but they never forgot that they were an imperfect people who stumbled and sinned. And more importantly, they didn't forget they were forgiven. They didn't forget who Jesus is and what he had done. They didn't forget he was the king who rules right now, who bought their freedom and invited them to, their, to his royal table. So the comfort of the Holy Spirit bathed everything they did from unity to obedience. The spirit of comfort bathed it in rest and confidence. And in the end, they, they were assured that God said his mission is multiplication and that he would do that and invite them into it. And so with these ingredients, unity, obedience, and comfort, the message of God multiplied to who? All people. So that is our history as the global church of God. That is our starting point. And so specifically here at Sojourn Montrose, I want us to think about how do we pursue multiplication? How do we work together to spread the gospel message of God, of who Jesus is, to the people of Houston and to the nations? And I think as a church, as a group of people, there's three things um, that we can do to pursue multiplication. They're the three things of this sermon series. First, we remember that we have the presence of God. We remember and remind each other that Jesus is king and the Holy Spirit indwells us, dwells within us, and therefore God is present among us and he's present to our neighbors through us. His presence will be made known through us to our neighbors and the nations. And so every time we share the presence of our God with our neighbors, we have an opportunity to multiply ourselves. To make other disciples of Jesus who also bear the presence of God. And second, we can remember to be hospitable with one another. Just like the King Jesus has invited us to his table, we too can invite others to our tables and into our lives. And our neighborhood parishes become these hospitable outposts 
for neighborhood or for our neighbors to encounter disciples of Jesus who are marked by love and service. So our hope is that these parishes would multiply. Multiply themselves so that every man, woman, and child in our neighborhood would be within walking distance to a hospitable outpost filled with the presence of God. And third, we pursue multiplication as a church by planting churches, by multiplying churches that are filled with hospitable parishes and disciples who bear the image and presence of God. So we recruit and we train people and we call people to go and and be planted in new neighborhoods and potentially new cities. We plant churches that love each other radically and sacrificially, are quick to forgive and quicker to invite others in. So Sojourn Montrose pursues multiplication. We pursue multiplication by making disciples or multiplying disciples, multiplying parishes, and multiplying churches. So that's what you are a part of in this church. And so I want to finish up by three more things that you as an individual can do to participate in multiplication. All right, Jesus, as the risen king, has told us to make disciples of all nations. So here are three practical ways that will foster multiplication in your life. The first is to strive to live in peace and unity with your brothers and sisters. Strive for peace and unity. That means being charitable with one another. That means forgiving one another. That means loving one another and serving one another and outdoing each other in honor. It doesn't mean that we'll never have conflict, but it means that our conflict will unite us while we fight for patience and grace and love and forgiveness with one another. So we'll fight to live in peace and unity. And second, you can practice holiness. Fearing God and listening to his word, revering his commands. You can study the word of God, apply it to your life, and hold your brothers and sisters in parishes or renewal groups accountable to hold in reverence God's commands. You can live in a way that's, that you're being built up by the word of God and the spirit of God in community. And third and finally, you can live into the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. You have been saved. Jesus is your king, and he's ruling right now. And he has welcomed you in. He has sent his spirit to you. That means you will grow. And you can trust that his spirit is claimed, just like his spirit claimed you for the kingdom of God, his spirit will claim others in our city for the kingdom of God. They just don't know it yet. We can take comfort in the fact that we've been invited to take part in God's mission of multiplication in our city. So to multiply yourself, strive for peace and unity with your brothers and sisters. Revere God, keep his commandments. Walk in the comfort of the spirit and from that posture, boldly share the mission or boldly share the message of God's redemption and watch, stand back and watch as it multiplies. When the church in Acts did those things, it multiplied. That church 
in 931, that church that started in that little region has multiplied into the largest and most diverse global movement in the history of the world. Billions of people were saved by it and are being saved by the message of God's redemption multiplying throughout the nations. And you're a part of it. So let's join him. Let's join him in the renewal and redemption of all people and all things. Let's love him and trust him to accomplish his mission that he is accomplishing. And we get to be a part of it. As we come to the table this morning, I pray that we would remember that and, and feel the comfort of the spirit. Remember our forgiveness by partaking in the body and blood of the king who lives. And when we leave here fired up for the explosive multiplying mission that we get to be a part of. So let's pray that these things would be true for us and pray um, that the Lord would do something in and through us in our neighborhood. Let's do that now. Jesus, we praise you as the risen king, our risen king, who has invited us to, to your table. Lord, would we not fear man over fearing you? Would we not fear them over revering you and what you have called us to, to live in peace with one another, to, to obey your commands, to read your word and study it and be built up by it? But ultimately, Lord, would we not, would we not fail to be comforted by your spirit, would we strive to live into the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings, lives of peace and joy and unity and love and obedience, a people that remembers together what you have done. Now, we know we can't bring your, your message of redemption to the nations if we don't believe the message of redemption ourselves. So I pray that as we come to the table, we would be renewed for the mission. And we would take comfort that you have promised us that you will multiply your people. You will call them to yourself so we can take part in something so much bigger than us. And yet something that, that you graciously and personally extended to each one of us. Lord, forgive us when we fail in this. Strengthen us, embolden us to carry out your mission and proclaim your message of redemption to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our family members. We pray that even now you would soften hearts and till that soil. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we praise you for all things. In your name we pray, amen.